This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the 2021 version of Sweaters Forever. I'm Gavin Spittle, and I'm joined by two-time Stanley Cup winner Craig Ludwig. Craig, let's start with the name of the show, Sweaters Forever. Thoughts? You must have been drinking when you came up with that. <laughs> I like it, man. You know, it's generic. That means we could talk about the league. We could talk about the stars. Oh, I see. So you put some thought behind it. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Oh, I thought this was one of your other side companies or something like that. You have going on. <laughs> so I am honored to be your co-host for this show. <laughs> we'll see how long that feeling lasts. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We have one question to start. Yeah. Do we have a beer sponsor yet? We do not have a beer sponsor. However, we need to get one. Because yes, of the two yes. of us, clearly I'm the drinker. Yeah, yeah clearly. <laughs> Let's get ever clear. So, quick story before we get into some hockey. One night, Craig and I were out and about, and I drove to the facility. So, I had one drink, and then Craig orders another one, and I just put it to the side, and it was never brought up. So, I thought that maybe Craig wouldn't notice. And, uh, boy, did you let me have it. Listen, I've been a professional in a few different fields. Obviously, one loosely would be hockey. But that's a a field I know lots of floaters. (laughs) I I can pick them out. And, And when somebody invites somebody to go out and have a drink and a sandwich, you would think that they would have a couple drinks and a sandwich. Yeah. But... In your case, well, you are the size of a mouse, so I, I understand. <laughs> like, it's probably doesn't take a lot for you, but you, you you play a good, you play the game well. You just don't compete at it very. Well. I play the a solid third liner. That's my. That's what I am. Yeah, on an East Coast league team, <laughs> on a men's league team, you're, you're a third liner on an E league men's league team. Listen. I'm not going to, you know, my plus minus at the end of the day will be nice. That's that's yeah. my goal on this show. My plus yeah. minus to be on the plus side. Well, I will say one thing. Your Uber bill isn't probably as high as mine. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening for the first time, here's the goal of this uh, podcast. A, we're going to have fun. Yes, we're going to talk stars. Yes, we're going to talk NHL. But we're going to have fun. Because, you know, we love the great game of hockey, but at the same time, you know, we're going to have guests on, we're going to talk stories, so we're going to, it's going to be a mix. It's not going to just be your hardcore hockey, let's get to the ice. So, I mean, I think that's the way both, you know, you and I want this show. Yeah, I, I've i never been a, let's get the business and let, let's stay on track kind of guy, so um, it, it's good for us to beer off the path every so often and uh sometimes i don't know for me sometimes it's it's more not just entertaining but um 
it's worth a listen. And and hopefully that, you know, if we go down the story road, um, I can't guarantee they're going to be rated PG, but there'll be something you can tell your parents about, not your kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of personality, in your short time watching this year, what has been your thoughts as far as transitioning from NBC to TNT slash ESPN? Well, I, I will say as far as the TNT side of it goes, um, <clears throat> my partner, my ex-partner's on there. So I had Chris Chelios as a partner, and he's a good friend, and I'm, I'm happy to see Chelly on there um, because I think he's going to bring a lot uh, to the analyzing of it. As you can tell, Mess, Messier kind of talks a little bit of stories and Chelly gets right to the details of the game. And I, I, I will be telling Chelly at some point here that I think he needs to get into the storytelling a little bit on the show because I think that's what they're kind of going for. I don't know that the TNT, you know, as far as the basketball guys, I think they're as entertaining as hell. Um, and I think so far what I've seen <laughs> I guess I would say uh, a couple times um, of Gretz. I think he, Gretz is going to be a great, he, he's going to be awesome. Um, anytime you can get, you know, the game's arguably best player to, to sit in there um, and, and talk, uh, people listen. And, and I think he's, uh, he comes across great. Um, he tells he the way he talks about things you don't have to be an ex-player to understand it you can be just someone tuning in for the first time he paints a good picture of things um so i, I think what they've done is they've assembled um a, a real good cast i haven't seen i saw a little bit um <clears throat> of some of the other guys that are on there um obviously you know when barkley came on in the first show with Gretzky and things like that. Um, I think it was entertaining. Um, I hopefully, uh, he's one of my favorites. I, I hope Charles gets on there every so often, but, um, I, I think you're going to learn a lot. Um, but as you know, like for some of us that have been loyal watchers of NBC and NBC sports and, you know, all the other names that they've had, um, getting used to guys like doc and guys like that forever. Uh, Doc Emmerich, um, you know, it's going to take some time. It takes time for me to, to even listen to some of the, the guys calling in the games um, and then the, an, the the analysis side of things. Uh, but I, but I, I do think their, their intention is to, to keep it light, um, give you some good information, but, but kind of sitting around a campfire kind of thing. And that, that's kind of what I enjoy, at least personally for me. I just – I thought to myself, like at first, I was like, this is a little rough around the edges. But at the same time, I said, I think that's good for hockey fans. And the reason I say yeah, that yeah, is I mean, because, you wanted to loosen up, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just think, felt as though like. That, that's my thing is I, I think when I was doing that kind of stuff, I, you know, if you watch enough. And, and, and again, when you play, you don't watch. And, and so when I got done and kind of got tossed into it a little bit and. I started to pay attention to other people and, and my guy has always been razor. Uh, you know, I think razor is the best, the best guy in the business. And again, I, you know, we're biased here in Dallas and I, I'm definitely biased. I just think he's the I best guy. Of, you know, and he, and he likes to, 
what makes Razor so entertaining a lot of times for me is he laughs at his own comments and he laughs at his own jokes and you kind of laugh along with him then, even if it's not funny. Um, but he tells a story. And, and I know that when Razor had said to me one time when we were first, you know, even before we actually got started and met a couple of times about doing it, he just said, Hey, we just want to kind of be a couple of guys sitting at the bar chatting and talking. And when you, it, it's hard for us to talk about other sports because we don't know a ton about all what goes in and out of them. But for hockey, man, if you could, if you could actually hang with some of us in those environments, you know, and I, I, we hear it quite a bit when we get out and do some watching parties and things like that. Like people just, they just love listening to the, to the things that, that you did and what you didn't do and how you went about it. And, and it's entertaining. And, and I think it's, I think you become, you appreciate the guys in the NHL a little bit more when you find out that, and we've been told this a lot, that they're a little bit more down to earth than other sports for whatever reason. I don't know. I I know some of the guys from the football teams and uh, baseball teams and stuff like that. I think they're all down to earth, but but maybe they come across differently to the to the average fan. Yeah, I just love the segment where Barkley was in net and Gretzky was shooting on him. I just thought, like, okay, this is great. This is personality. This is just like the inside at the inside the NBA. It's going to be a transition period, but at the same time, you know, as I mentioned, I kind of like the rough around the edges. I, you know, I mean, I, I kind of enjoy that they brought in Paul Bissonnette, a guy that has a an appeal to a younger generation. You know, I mean, guys like that, I, I think it grows the game, and that's what the game needs. It, you know, it needs needs growth. And not to mention the ancillary programming that goes along with it. If you watch ESPN now, clearly, you know, there's more focus as far as hockey recaps on the games, and that was missing. We, you know, you didn't see the the mainstream sports channels really dive into hockey, and now they are. Yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, I I thought I was doing something wrong when I was getting on the ESPN and ESPN Plus app and stuff like that. And I'm like sixty bucks, like six. No, it's got to be 160. So, um, and I kept diving around trying to find the NHL package and all that kind of stuff just to get caught up. So, um, no, I I think uh, and I agree with you. I, I mean, now all of a sudden, uh, and I've never really been a real big ESPN, whether it's on the radio or. Uh, or on TV watcher or listener. And, and, but, but now when you do tune in, because you know that there's hockey on there, um, you are hearing it more often. And I guess because I didn't, one of the reasons I never really dug into it that much is because, you know, it always seemed it was all the other sports and there wasn't enough hockey for a hockey guy. And I don't know if you can say that from the other sports, but um, now it, you know, as a matter of fact, for the first time ever yesterday, I watched one of these, uh, documentary things on uh the basketball dude that got run out of indiana uh so, so uh i guess it was indiana run our so, test what was his name knight run our test no the the coach knight was it knight oh bob knight yeah of course yeah yeah like i said i'm not a big basketball whatsoever so i watched that hour and 30 minutes i hour and 26 minutes and i actually sat there and watched the whole thing on basketball because of hockey. Or the coaching and the whole issues and you know I, I would say he may have had a anger management problem at times, but um, <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, again, I, I was never, and I'm still not to this day in the basketball that much. I don't know enough about it, and um, it was interesting. But, but I've never watched one of them. I've never, I've heard the thirty thirty things. I've never watched one. The only, the only one I've ever watched is the Rodman one, and that's only because my friends keep on telling me to watch it, 
because they're they're like that's you of hockey i'm like what i mean i know he's a bit of a loose cannon off you know outside of the the court but um but anyway so yeah i mean just like for me i i, I you know you start surfing around on through espn and see they have a lot of great content down there and so i'll probably watch something else again someday when i'm bored yeah his spilled on to the court though i i never thought as though your i mean you came to the ice early let's just leave it at that you you didn't let any distractions bother you uh no i i created all my own distractions so uh no i you know what i i think as as a all hockey players go we are so i don't know if it's lucky or or however we're we're programmed that as soon as you get into your car to drive start driving to the game or get on the bus when you're on the road and start busing to the game you have the ability that all the outside noise is gone and you get inside that circular sheet of ice everything on the on the outside that goes in your life disappears i I don't know if that is uh, trained or how it happens, but you forget about everything. And and that could be the same for, you know, football guys and basketball guys. I don't know. But I just know for us is that um, any distractions, you know, because one of the biggest questions you always get asked is about, you know, man, where, where was your favorite place to play? <laughs> like my, my favorite place is, is to play on the road. If anybody actually has one besides outside the rink, the downtown part, Rush Street is always cool. Um, is in that old Chicago stadium. And the biggest part that I always start with and lead into is when you're standing on the on the blue line and you're in that five-guy unit that's going to start the game and you have to stand there through the national anthem. And it just gets louder and louder and louder. And the way that they, the Blackhawks, in my opinion, would put their their team together is they were built to play in that building because it seemed like it was a little bit smaller building. And so you would, they would have their, I guess you call them at the time, the third line guys that you know were going to be running around. And they would set the tone and the tempo of the game um, in, that, in that manner. And so you're standing there and the anthem, <laughs> it seems to go on forever. And you hear 25,000 people, that sounds like 50,000 people. Um, and, and you know what's coming. And you're literally sitting there and you're, you're scared shitless for them to drop the puck. And when they do, it happens. And then you kind of get into the game real quick, but then all of a sudden it's gone. The noise is gone. You don't hear them anymore. The noise is there, but you don't hear them. And I just think that for, for however that works and why it works, we don't hear what's going on. And and it's the same when you're at home. It's funny though. There are times you hear, you hear more at home. Because at least you know in the back of your mind they're they're usually cheering for you, where the other ones are booing for you, and maybe that's why we were able to tune it out. So it's it's a characteristic that I've never come across a guy that has played the game that can't really relate to that or tell that same story. And I, you know, and, and now you know we have a, a Dallas Stars U18. It's an elite team that we travel around the country with, and you know you watch kids come in and they're 17, 18 years old and um, they're usually always in good boots and stuff like that. But they get to the rink sometime, and you can kind of tell what's going on. And, you know, it could be something at school, girlfriend, whatever it is. And I will tell them that. You know, you guys will learn that once you get inside the, the glass here, 
everything goes away for two hours. It's gone. And you need to let it go because it's all going to be there when you get off the ice again. And as soon as you get in the locker room, you get out of the shower, and you get in your car to start driving home, your parents' house, or whatever, wherever you're going, it all comes back. And, and I just think it's a – I call it a quality, but I think it's a characteristic that they have to learn to to get to that point because, um, you know, today's arenas, though, are, are different. Um, you know, you don't play in as many that where it seems like people are right on top of you. Um, they're spread out and, you know, it seems like field buildings are bigger, they're higher and everything else. So maybe it's not what it used to be, but, um, but yeah, it, it's always kind of been like that for us is, uh, you know, we, we get in our car and we start going and, and everything else kind of disappears until you, you know, start driving home. Then when you're driving home, it all comes back. You know, I, th- I think, I think baseball has the uniqueness and I, I take us behind the scenes because I don't think a lot of people realize how different each rink is. You know, because, you know, you go in and there's the rink and it's the same size unless you're in Europe. Um, you know, tell, tell us some of the barns you played in because, I mean, you know, when I go to different, you know, I like to walk around, take in the atmosphere. But for the most part, a lot of them are the same. But behind the scenes, how different are they? Well, again, you're talking then and now. And the buildings were different to me when we played. And I haven't been able to to play i've been in them all but they're, they're just you know instead of being a 30 or 40 million dollar building they're, they're 600 four and 500 and so it really is tailored to the fan it's the fan experience and so the more bells and whistles and you, you need to get into all of them and walk around it and and i don't even even when i was in them uh you know if it was a new one i never even i got off the bus Walked underneath, got in the locker room, that was it. I never, I'd never walked around a building until I was done playing. I couldn't even tell you what they were like. Some of the older buildings, if you wanted to go to uh, even Chicago, I have no idea what the old Chicago stadium looks like because I've never walked around it. I come in underneath in the bus and walk down the hall and down the little hill, and you know, you, you're you're in the building. And a lot, and that's that's not the way it should be done. I, I would always encourage guys, hey, go look at every building, and now especially. Um, but you know, the first thing that you did when you got into buildings and you got on the ice in the mornings is you would start shooting pucks around off the boards and around the boards because there were, the boards were different. And now again, they're, they're all the same now because they're probably all built by most of the same construction people. But, um, but you would find that where the Zamboni door is that pucks, when you fire them around, they would catch a little groove in the Zamboni door and pucks when for so for two periods um the zamboni don't always seem to be in in the end that you're going to be in twice and so when the opponent would fire the puck around in their own building they knew that a lot of times it may hit that little groove and pop right out in front of the net uh you know home ice advantage there's all those little kind of things and they know what the boards are like if they're heavy boards or they give they know what the glasses are like before they came in with the where you know we used to have the partitions and so you had the you know, the rails that held each piece, each piece of glass together and they stick out a half inch. And so when pucks got fired in around the glass, they'd pop out. And we've seen so many goals in the past that when teams fire pucks in, they, they hit something and the goalie comes out behind the net to stop it where he thinks it's going to go. It ends up going in the net. So all those little things. And now, I, you know, you walk into buildings now and they're all the same. Um, but a lot of them were dark and dreary and they, they weren't built for the for the people that are paying the most money. And now what they've done is they've turned them into, uh, 
you know, the, these beautiful places. I, I, I can't wait to be able to get to, to the new building in, on the island sometime. <laughs> because I hear, you know, that, that building at Belmont is going to be something special. But what they've done there, and they know a lot of their success, especially when the Islanders were playing in the 80s and they won their, their consecutive run of Stanley Cups. Um, that it was about the fans. I mean, when they were playing at what's it called the Barclays Center, I believe, downtown in Brooklyn, there, yeah. they were splitting games. They were playing games, 40 games, uh, 40 home games. They were playing 20 or so at Barclays and 20 at the old Coliseum the last year or two. Not good for the players. Uh, totally different drive. I mean, as a matter of fact, they would go in for pregame skates and they would stay there. They wouldn't go back home. Like typically you go in, you know, you drive home, have your meal, take a little nap and head down to the game. And they would do that when you're on the island. You, you would do the same thing. Some guys might stay, but, you know, it was a 20, 30 minute drive at home. But now, um, now they're right down the street. And, but when they were going to Barclays, they would all just stay there. And after pregame, they'd get hotel rooms for them. So <clears throat> it's almost like you're playing, you know, 20, 20 some more home uh, road games all the time. But uh, but what the what the Islanders did is they designed that building with lower ceilings, uh, seating similar to what they had in the old Coliseum because they're trying to replicate the the feeling that the players and the fans had in, in the Coliseum. I mean, you watched the last two years, the difference in the record, the difference the way that they played when they played at the Barclays Center versus playing at the old Coliseum because they got to play at least, uh, I don't know what it was, 20, 20 25 uh, home games. Uh, at the Coliseum versus Barclays um, and playing all 40 there. And then in the playoffs, again, you know, last year they got to play the majority of the games uh, uh, at the at the Coliseum, which was a bonus for them. So, um, again, I, I think that I wish that they would talk to players once in a while and, and ask them about locker rooms and all that kind of stuff since it's where you kind of – it's your office. Um, but I think today – there's always been a rule. You either you either live by the airport or you live by your 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 uh, practice room. So those are the two places you're at all the time. And you know because you don't practice at your the games that you play in most most teams don't. Um, you're at the practice rink and your boards are different there and the glass is different there and the atmosphere is different there. And, um, so those are just some of the things that that you go through in the game of hockey is trying to get acclimated with with buildings on the road. But then again. You know, after you play two, three years in the league, you, you you pretty much know all the buildings anyways. Did you ever skate around the Boston Garden to get rid of the fog? Oh yeah. <clears throat> we had to do that. We had to do that like are you talking about during the game? We had to do that during the game. Yeah, I'm talking about I mean, during the game, not practice. I'm talking oh, about yeah, the yeah. the barn was so old yeah, it did not have the period. proper conditions. Yep. You start and it would just be all of a sudden here comes the fog in and you can't even see your partner. And they'd blow the whistle and you'd stop and you'd sit there for a few minutes and they'd ask both teams to come out and start skating around just to get the fog to go away. So, yeah, there's – and you would – unfortunately, they should have – they should have had – blew the whistle a little bit earlier because you were literally playing in fog. And and if you remember those teams, um, some of the old Boston teams, especially when I was in Montreal playing there, it was a big rivalry and it still is to this day, but – those teams were built the same way because the garden was a small building. It was a little band box and just like the Chicago stadium and their players, you know, Terry Riley's and guys like this and Stan Jonathan, all these guys that were heavyweights that 
and that was their game. You knew you were going to get running there. Cam Neely, I mean, they had guys that were big and can skate, and, and that was that, that was their MO. Um, and so, and then you want to play against them in the fog, too. So, I mean, it's like putting a pair of beer goggles on and, and, and trying to play hot, which I know somebody's going to say, well, you did that for 18 years. But but it, 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 it really was a difficult place to play at that. And there were a lot of things that you saw. I mean, talking about things getting thrown on the ice and beer cans and, and, and having – I would I would venture to say that I don't know if there's a player that's played in the last few years that actually has had a beer dumped on their head when you're sitting in the penalty box, so or a beer handed to you when you're sitting in the penalty box. So a lot of a lot of things have changed. Wow. Yeah, I mean yeah. I can't wait till we have Chris Nyland on because I want to ask him about that night he took out Rick Middleton and what you guys had to face going up against the Bruins. Yeah, uh, yeah, he took it took his whole front row of his teeth out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember I was sitting, I was sitting in the stands, Craig, and the rest of the night. And I just, from your perspective, uh, you guys must have been thinking, here we go. This is going to be a long one. Yep. Well, that'd be great. Nux will be, I I do, Nux is doing radio now in uh, Montreal. And uh, he's got a radio show that he does from noon to noon to three every day, which, geez, that's a good idea to do on your show. Um, But anyway, uh, Nux does that. And um, he would be a great guest. And, um, and it would be story time. So, um, and he was the guy that when I, when I got to Montreal, <laughs> him and I were the only two Americans uh, on the team that my first year. And, you know, he had come up to me and I really didn't know a ton about him at the time. Um, I mean, I knew reputation wise, but he had said, Hey, Americans stick together. And I said, cool. I got, you know, one of the toughest guys that I've heard about in the league is my buddy. And so we, he found me, I lived in the same building as he did. And he was in my wedding and all this other kind of stuff that I come to be. But um, I remember our first, uh, uh, then we had training camps for about two weeks long and we had four teams, players. And uh, so anyways, we, my first uh, preseason, not even preseason training camp game, Nux was on the other team, puck drop. He skated right across to me and just jumped me. And I'm laying on my back. And I just kind of looked up to him and I said, I, I thought the Americans stick together. He goes, yeah, but that doesn't matter here. You know, so he was just sending <laughs> his own message to me that, yeah, we're buddies, but this is the way the game is played here. And it was, it was a, a, a great lesson for me because it set the tone for, you know, the way that you have to play in training camp and those kind of games in training camp, if you want to make, make the team. And, and so and if it wasn't for that, I probably would never have gone about playing against, you know, again, Larry Robinson, Guy Lafleur, Steve Shutt, Pierre Mondu. I'd be on the list of, of big names at Montreal, but I would have never played against those guys like that. But that that told me how they were going to play against me. And, you know, and ultimately, you know, kind of, I guess, set the tone for the way I, I needed to play and was going to play. And and I look back, and fortunately for, for what he did, that very first drop of the puck, I never had to play a game in the minors. And because he kind of showed me this is the way it is. And if you want to stay here, this is how you play. And it doesn't really matter um, if it's a practice or it's a game. So this is why you should listen to Sweaters Forever podcast this year, because Craig's going to go unfiltered. We're going to tell stories. You know, I guess we're about 35 minutes in right now. So I guess we should talk a little bit of uh, Stars Hockey with a uh, road trip that was uh, two and two. Um, First, I wanted to get. Going into the season, 
I didn't necessarily have high expectations. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I thought they were the third or fourth best team in the division. What did you think? Well, I'd say before the season, I could I could definitely feel where you're coming from, and I could also see them finishing at the top of the division. So basically, to tell you, I don't know. I, I look at the roster. The, the the couple concerns that I have is, you know, and again, now we're playing a regular season, 82 games and the travel and another team in the league and all this other kind of stuff that has changed, which isn't that much. But the one thing that stands out for me is I believe we are the second, third oldest team in the league. That's and correct. So how, how do guys like, you know, Pavelski and, and, you know, Suter, uh, you know, these kind of guys, Glenn Denning's what in his early thirties, the goalies, Dobie's 35, you know, and, and Rads is 35, Pavelski's 37. How do they handle the grind of the season? They're all veterans. They understand, you know, how to deal with this stuff. So, and, and, and what comes with age is injuries. And we've seen that part of it um, in the past where, you know, the guys that are supposed to be out there the most. And when you're out there the most, you're probably fatigued the most. And that's when the little bumps and bruises and tweaks start coming into play. And so that was a concern. Um, I mean, I, I, like I said, I even go back to, you know, a couple of years ago when they made the finals, that, that was a surprise to me. And, you know, and I, I think I had said this to you too, at the time, uh, you know, you come out of those finals and you wait a month and tell me who, who are the guys that you remember from the finals? And for me, it was the goaltender. It was Dobie. It was Pavelski. And it was Corey Perry. Yep. And they're all in their mid thirties. And so I'm like, man, is is that going to be able to last? Can those guys, you know, get back to that level? And where are the other guys that we're supposed to be counting on? So, um, and, you know, and then you go to last year, last year for me, for everybody, you can kind of, you give them a pass, especially this team with what they had to deal with the COVID thing and the weather thing. Um, you know, you were off the rails right to start. You never really got on the track. So, and that, a lot of that stuff is circumstances that are really aren't in your control. So then you look at the team and, and the players that were added this year, uh, you know, what's Raffle going to be like, who, by the way, is, has been good. I mean, in the first four games that we've seen, uh, Glenn Denning, you know, what we know that he's really good on face-offs, but what's he going to bring? And, um, he's been good. So, but, but I will start with Tyler. Um, you know, to me, it's a question mark for Tyler. I, I don't think it is for him, which is the most important part. Um, but you know, he had a pretty significant rehab. I mean, I think everybody's seen it and heard about it and he didn't just have one little injury he had a, you know, a couple of different things fixed. And so, you know, Tyler's not 30 yet. He's, he's knocking on the door, but um, it's a little bit more difficult to come back from, you know, those, those bigger injuries when you get a little bit older. And, um, you know, so how is he going to handle up or handle the the grind of the, the game and how can he get back to himself? So those are question marks that I still have. And I, I don't ever look at the first two games, the first, you know, four games, eight games. I think you got to get somewhere around 10, 15 games at least uh, into the season. And before you can start to kind of form an opinion of, what what this team is going to be or any team um right now it looks like they're they're kind of on track they're they're going to keep the puck out of their net holpe has been great i think um 
uh, you know, but, but the scoring, where's that going to come from? And we know where it should come from. I think Rads has looked great. Radulov has looked great. He's got that jump. Um, and again, but he's 35. And so will he be, have that in him at game 40 through 50? I believe that these guys, once they get to 65, 70 mark, their, their sights are set on the playoffs and you kind of, you have this little extra juice that's coming and, but you've got to be in that spot and you, it, it's tough to be fighting for a spot. And it's even tougher when you're, you know, five or six points out with 10, 12 games to go. So uh, <laughs> a lot of factors there, but I think for right now, yeah, you know, it, to me, it's still average, but again, look at the rest of the league, uh, Minnesota. I, I mean, no, I we know Minnesota's a better team. Um, starting three and oh, uh, St. Louis. I, you know, I, I was texting back and forth with Hitchcock uh, about a week ago. And I was just saying, you know, I, I just think you guys need a couple more defensemen and he agreed, but he goes, yeah, but our forwards are this. And so right now I not sure, but I think they're, they're, they're up to the top of league scoring goals right now. After they're pretty darn weeks, good. So. I watched him against Arizona the other night. I mean, you know, Arizona's yeah. rebuilding, but boy, did they put and, it on them. <laughs> And, and that's the thing is our, our right now, I, I think if you're a fan, you love it because I believe right now goals per game is over six right now. But again, it's always like that because the systems aren't in place yet. The new guys haven't quite adapted to this pace yet. The lines aren't all solid. They're still looking for who plays where, who plays with who. And those are all things that come into play. And so your game, it's more, I don't want to say it's a, it's a shinny game, but there's a lot more quality scoring chances early in the season because your defense isn't really up to where it's supposed to be yet. And I think the good news for Dallas early on has been that, that like I said, uh, Holtby has been great. He's made some huge saves early on. And, and I, I expect that to continue. Um, and even Dolby, when he had to come in the other night with what, four or five minutes to go in a game and he made four or five big big saves being cold coming into the game. He looks like, you know, he's going to pick up where he's left off for this team. So I'm sure he wants to be playing a little bit more, but for me, it seems clear to me right now who number one is uh, as far as a goaltender. And I don't know if that means, you know, hope he starts, you know, spreading his wings and he's the guy and you start looking at adding players. Is there, I mean, are they looking that they can, they can move, Dolben at some point I, I don't know um but you know we knew coming in everybody the questions were four goalies you know with Ottinger and Bishop and but unfortunately for Ben we this is kind of we've seen this movie before and and so you know but you can imagine if you got a, a healthy Ben Bishop and he actually gets back into I thought he was getting close to playing but obviously not but you can imagine I, I think it's a good problem to have is you got those three guys there so um, so I, I think you're, I think what you see may be exactly where they're going to be though. Um, we'll see what changes the next month, but I think they're going to be in that three, four spot at, at the end of the day. And, and again, it, it depends. Uh, Colorado hasn't started well, obviously, but we know that they're a good team. And the, the team that surprised me the most probably in division is Winnipeg so far. I, I expected more out of that team. They've got a real good goaltender. I think they got a good you know, top six, their, their defensemen are solid. 
So I expect them to probably get better over the next two weeks, but we'll see. And, you know, Dallas is just going to have to, you know, you're hoping that Tyler's game picks up, Jamie's game picks up. I would love to see Jamie Ben play center. That, that's just my opinion. I, I would as well. Jamie, you know, and, but, but again, look at what Jamie did the other night. They weren't happy with the first couple of games. What does he do? You know, he's first guy to step out and, and, you know, set the tone for his team and drop the glove. So, um, but they will be interesting to see how they, per, uh, I, like I said, 10, 15 games is going to tell me more about what this team is. And then again, you know, you, you, you we're, we're talking about Robertson all year last year. Right. And so he's not in the lineup yet. So there, there's going to be a, a jolt for him that that's going to help him. And, you know, your fingers are crossed to see what what's happening with Klinger. And there's nobody that wants to play more at this time. And this time in his stage of his career, than John Klingberg, um, you know, he's, he's looking for a contract. And so he doesn't want to be sitting there, but I'll tell you what, I, I was surprised when he came back from when he got hit behind the net, because the way his knee and ankle bent, I didn't think it was so much uh, the elbow to the head. I, I thought it was more the ankle or the knee, how, but he is kind of like Gumby. I mean, we've seen him for years now get hit in the corners and for some, he just kind of shapes right around the boards and the dasher boards and he always seems to come out of it. So hopefully he gets back in the lineup soon. Watching Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night, which I would encourage everyone to do. They were talking about with Klingberg that Jim Nill and Klingberg's side have been talking, and Klingberg's looking for the Seth Jones money, basically eight years, 64, 65 million. So it's interesting. I actually think from a fan's perspective, as I watch these games, I'm willing to pay that money because I feel as though when John Kling, he totally changes the offense. He does. <clears throat> I think he, and he's the guy that he's a guy that, you know, everybody's got a quarterback for a power play and Klinger does so many things on the power play on the blue line. And, you know, again, I, <clears throat> I'm always very careful of comparing him to, to Zuby and, because I don't think anybody did anything like Zuby did uh, on the blue line on the power play or in general, but <clears throat> which, by the way, I think we're, we're doing a Jersey uh, night for him. His Jersey's going up in the rafters in January sometime for Sergei Zubov. So that that's long overdue for me, um, but that'll be nice to see. But yeah, John, John has really worked on his other part of the game. His offense will always come to him naturally. And he's worked hard on, being a better defenseman in his own zone. Um, he's never going to be perfect. He's not built like that. Those kind of stay at home defensemen, them strong, hard to play against guys. Um, but I give him credit for doing that. And, but he, there is another dimension that he can bring. And, um, you know, guys like Radulov, Pavelski, Sagan, Ben, those kind of guys, you need a Klingberg there because he can find a seam and he can give you the kind of passes that you need to translate it into a quality scoring chance. Um, so you, you do miss him. And, but, you know, I, I think when you talk about, you know, what you, <clears throat> what you talked about, whatever you heard on hockey night in Canada, I would also say that when as a general manager and you know that you've already given Miro and deservedly so the money that, that he has got, which I think is what eight and a half somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah, um, you got you got him there. You have Sagan at nine, and you have ben, Jamie close to nine. 
Yeah. And and so can you have four guys making nine apiece? I don't know. Um, those are the gymnastics that the bean counters have to do to see if that stuff is going to fit. Um, but, but I think that by Jim Nil going out and grabbing Ryan Suter and by grabbing, what was the other one? It was Hawk and Paw. Uh, when, when you go out and grab those guys, is he planning for a tough negotiation with Klinger? I, I think that Klinger wants to stay here. So that's the good news. I think everybody that comes to Dallas wants to stay here if they can. Um, I think that's the good news. And maybe there's some, some give on, on Klinger's side um, to be able to stay here. Uh, so, and, and it's always, and again, <clears throat> I think for top players, uh, players that are committed to, to winning, you always look at where the team is at. Now, if this was three years ago, I think a player coming here would be willing to take a little bit less to stay here because the window was more open then to me than it is now. Um, I think their window is right now to, to get back to the finals um, if they can get there. But because, but again, then when I, some of the guys that I've talked about, you know, the age thing, it, it starts to, I mean, for Joe Pavelski to be 37 years old and be able, and, and Joe's never been a great skater, but he does so much. I mean, he does so much from the top of the circles in. He's probably not going to track anybody down going back to his own net if he's his own behind. But, and then in, in the room, and, and Joe's, this is his last year too. So, you know, if you're Klingberg, are you looking to say, man, maybe I, maybe we don't sign anything now. We wait to the end of the year and then you see where you're at. And, you know, can you go, would Colorado be knocking on the door for John Klingberg, you know, down the road or, you know, Vegas or, or some, one of those other teams that Florida, Florida Panthers, I think that the Panthers are set They're They're a good team this year, but you know, are, are those, are there teams out there that you can go someplace and, and win a Stanley cup or are you happy being here? And, and you did, because again, after, after some of these, is there going to be a hole in this team for two, three years? And, and I think that's what Jim tries to do is he tries to make sure there there isn't these big gaps where you're, what are they called? Not, not the rebuilding thing or, you know, on the fly or whatever it is. But I think he does a real good job of getting a combination of players that are, you know, you're going to get Robertson a couple of years with these, these guys that are going to be a little bit older in a couple of years. And so he's going to learn from them and, you know, the, the hints and the, the Gary Yanov and these guys. But when these guys are ready to step aside, can those guys step in and, and take over? So I think that as a general manager, you know, part of your toughest job. Yeah. I think the other thing that stars fans have to know, I mean, if they get frustrated with Tyler uh, Sagan or Jamie Ben, those guys are on no movement deals. So the chances of, of saying, you know, Hey, we got to get rid of Sagan or we got to get rid of Ben. I mean, those are not happening. The player has to, has to go to the team and say, okay, I'm okay being traded. And it just, you know, if they're on the downside, I always tell people like, hey, if a player's not playing well and you want to talk about moving them, put yourself in the other general manager's shoes. Let's just take Tyler Sagan for these four games. And I know it's it's way, way too early to make that judgment. But if I'm a general manager, there's no way I'm taking on the length of that contract and the money of that contract. Even if Tyler wanted to leave Dallas, which clearly he doesn't, and he's on a no movement clause. So, you know, we have Jamie Ben and we have Tyler Sagan for a number of years. Radulov's coming up. As you mentioned, Pavelski's coming up. Uh, I do like to see some of the younger guys, you know, flourishing through the system and coming up. I did want to mention Dennis Gurionov. 
Craig, because I thought he had his best game last night. And ironically, I tweeted during the day that maybe it's actually a blessing that he gets put on that fourth line with Glenn Denning because that's the line that had been best performing for this team. What it does for him, the kind of player that he is, because I see Garyanov the same way everybody else probably does, is he's got tons of speed and he's got a shot. And But what that does for me a lot when I watch him play it turns you into a perimeter player and he, when you put him on a fourth line with those kind of players, those are more direct players and it drags you into the fight and you have to get around to the net. You're going to be in front of the net in front of the net. You're going to be in traffic a little bit more than when you're just flying down the wing and taking your shot from outside or getting on the power play and taking your shot from the Tyler Sagan kind of areas on the other side of the ice. So that that was what what some coaches will do, and and it actually happened to Mo. And <clears throat> there were times when Mo was probably uh, too much of a perimeter guy for a guy like Bob Gainey. And I remember one time he came up to me and and Bowen changed the lines up a little bit, and he put Charles, he put Shane Churla on his wing, <laughs> and. He, and well, we can say what we want on this thing. It's a podcast, but Mo, Mo had come up to me and, and he just basically was like, you know, what, what the hell am I doing playing with Charles? What is Charles doing on my wing? And it was done by design because if you're going to play with Shane Churla, there's going to be shit going on around you. There's going to be stuff going on in the corner in front of the net. And he wanted to drag Mo into the fight and get him to, to figure out you've got to go here to score. And the perimeter stuff doesn't always work. And, you know, Mo could prove that wrong because he's got over 600 goals. So, but for me at times, I think about that with Tyler. And and I watched Tyler, especially on the power play. And he, last year, and again, a lot of that had to do with injuries the year before, but but he wasn't scoring from that point. And those one-timers weren't going in from there for whatever reason. And, you know, we try to do it with, with player, the young kids all the time, like they can score goals from outside and they've got great shots and speed, but when a goal scorer is not scoring, they get down on themselves. And so the best way to get them out of it is get them to the front of the net and go there and pay the price to score a goal. It may go off your skate, may go off your ass, off your elbow, may juggle around and you're going to get credit for a goal. And and for whatever reason, even an empty netter, you, you take a goal scorer and he hasn't scored in 10 games and he gets an empty net goal. All of a sudden his attitude changes. Cause he's like, he's out the monkey's off my back. And so sometimes you just got to get a little bit closer to the net to score goals. And that perimeter stuff doesn't work, especially when you play against certain teams that, you know, pack it in, they got a good goalie. Um, you don't get those high quality scoring chances. So sometimes you, you just have to go to uncomfortable areas to, to, to score them. And, and so that we go back to Gary And I think when you play with a line like that, that plays a little bit more direct and they're play straight lines, their straight lines are you get across the top of the circle and you draw a V to the goalposts, that's how they play. They're not going to score from the perimeter. They're, they know that if they're going to get any goals this year, they're probably going to have to get inside that, that area that you try to keep people out of. And, and I think if Garyano is going to score and be a consistent scorer, he's not only going to be able to score from the outside, he's going to have to be willing to, to get to the front of the net and get a rebound, get his own rebound, you know, and, and go in there and get a little dirty, score some dirty goals. I thought what Glenn Denning did last night, you know, in front of the net, whistle blows, pushing and shoving. I thought that kind of fired up the crowd. I mean, that's something that I would like to see a little bit more from 
you know, this team is, like you said, getting into the dirty area and making things happen and, and pushing and shoving because, you know, kind of watching the Ottawa game, I just felt as though you know, they played a good third period, but it was like just kind of going through the motions. And, you know, you need those guys on your team. I mean, I wasn't the hugest Roussel fan. I know he was popular, uh, but I did appreciate that he caused a stir when a stir needed to happen. Well, I think that you speak of the Ottawa, that's how Ottawa plays. That's how their coaching staffs have them play. They're, they're a team that isn't fancy. I mean, they, they just paid who's going to be their captain, a 19-year-old, $8 million a year. And, and they, they're doing that because he's similar to his brother. Kachuk similar to his brother in uh, Calgary. But they get to the front of the net. They bring the party to the front of the net. And that's what Ottawa is. And, and, and again, I think that's a, it's an MO that, that Dallas has had for a few years that he, I, I don't want to say they're easy to play against, but they can, they can tend to be easy to play against. I agree. And, and I think, and that's why, you know, to me, I can go back to the year that, that they went to the finals. And like I said, I mentioned the three guys earlier who I thought, and the other guy I left out, it was the best I've seen Jamie Ben play in, in a long time. And it was because, he was that bull in a China shop. I mean, when you go to the, I, he was part of taking out Kachuk in the first round. He's the one that hit Kachuk from Calgary and knocked him out of the, that was their, that's their spark plug. And then he was part of taking out Johnson in Colorado, him and Jamie Alexiak ran into him and he didn't play anymore, you know, and then in Vegas against Vegas, um, I don't know, was it Reeves or somebody else? He went after right off the opening faceoff. They didn't fight, but, but Jamie Ben kind of, was dragging people into that fight and said, Hey, here's how we're going to get there. And, and that was part of the equation of them getting there with some goaltending and timely scoring. I mean, we've well, how many times have we seen a t- this team or any team get down three, three goals and come back and win hockey games? Well, I don't know how many of them they did that year. So maybe that, that was one of those years, <clears throat> but, but I think, but, but then I look at Foxa. I mean, Foxa was great. I mean, Radic, we've seen Raddick drop his gloves and he's that big centerman. He's willing to get involved. So, um, you know, so I think what Jim is trying to do is to sprinkle in some of those guys. And, and if that's what Glenn Denning is going to do and, you know, so you have to have those kind of guys do that. You look at the back end for the stars. I don't think they have one of those guys, you know, I, you know, I, you know, Essa will play physical, but he's not really going to, he's not intimidating back there. He's just a real good defenseman. That's what he is. Um, you know, Suter, not really. And Hockenpah, maybe he's got a little bit more. Sekra. So, you know, you don't, it, it's not, when you come into the offensive zone, if you're an opponent, I'm not sure if you're, you're concerned about the physical presence that you're going to have at the front of the net or in the corners. And, and I just, I'm, and again, I'm old school. So I believe in that kind of stuff. I think you make it, you find ways to make it difficult on the best players. And if they want to score goals, you're going to have to pay the price to score that goal. And if you're going to come to the front of the net where I believe you need to go, especially today, how good the goalies are and the traffic that you have to create, well, you're going to come in here and you're going to score a goal. Well, you're going to pay the price and you're going to have to go back with an ice bag on your wrist, your ankle, you know, your ribs or whatever, as much as you can get away with in today's game. So I just think that's part of the, in my opinion, it's part of the recipe that you need to be, you know, a, a deep playoff team. Well, let's wrap it up, man. We could go all day. How was episode wrap one it up for in you? Your sweater. What was that? We're gonna have to talk, we're gonna have to talk about this sweater for everything. 
It's got to be something you're selling. What do you want to name it? Well, I don't know. Sweaters forever. It's like I, I, the first thing I think of is some some guy sitting on a on a porch. Some old eighty year old guy sitting on a porch with a sweater on. You may think you're eighty, but I'm not. I thought about two guys, one cup, but it was taken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there. That makes total sense. You and I and a Stanley Cup. All right, yeah, we we I, will I we will we, I think that one's trademarked already. We will brainstorm and uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you'd like to call it. Spits and suds is not a bad idea. I like spit. It's spit and suds. I have a beer, Lud Suds. Well, that, I, I think we just named the show Spit and Suds. Well, no, we. I mean, we, we got to let the fans pick it if there are any. <laughs> <laughs> there will be, of course. Yeah, we'll let them talk it. We'll let them decide. And then, you know, we'll brainstorm and we'll throw some, you know, ideas out there. But, um, you know, and we won't go heavy into hockey every week. We'll tell stories. We'll have guests. You know, so, I mean, it's just kind of a like a change up. I mean, you know, it was some quality stars talk today. But, I, you know, I also wanted to get your thoughts on the TV broadcast and uh, everything. It's just a conversation between one guy who happened to play the game and one guy that's a fan of the game. Yeah, one guy. <laughs> Are you saying you're the lone wolf on this show? That's a, that's on the NFL show, isn't it? Isn't it the, the lone wolf hat they wear on that show? So, no, you are you are the brains to this thing, Gavin Spittle. Before the, the end of the season, Sweater mitts guy. will be dropped. In my case, mittens, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. We might we might be calling it speaking to no one. There was one time that I was wearing a sweaters jersey. I don't know if you remember this. And I said, hey, let's go. And you pulled that jersey oh, over yeah. my head so fast. I I was lost. That was a, that was an invite. No, well, listen, it didn't take a lot. I mean, it's like it's like pulling a shirt off a four year old. So it wasn't it wasn't that difficult. <laughs> you don't think of me like as an old Ken Lindsman? <laughs> no, he just speared me right in the balls. Oh my god! Wow, we'll have to tell that story. Really? It's like, well, I mean, let's do it now. So you're in the corner, and he went there. Oh yeah, Kenny was one of the dirtiest. He he was the guy. He's like Beaker. He's like Pat Verbeek. There's only so, you know, there's a handful of those guys in the league, and everybody will tell you. And and the the one of the best ones is Cold Lemieux. Like Pepe was the guy. I mean, we hated him. Our own teammate, we hated him, but we loved him on our team. Kenny Linsman, I guarantee the teams that he played on, his teammates loved him. Beaker, same way. But they are dirty. And, and speaking of Beaker, that guy needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's got – and now he's – I think he's with – he's with Stevie now back in Detroit uh, working in management. Uh, Beaker's got over 600 goals. I, I, I don't, I think it is. It's, it's in the five, high fives or six, but talk about a guy and Linsman was that guy. And, but he would spear you in the, in, in the face too. Like he literally care, carried it like a spear. And, you know, he was, he was the ultimate shit disturber, great skater. So he was more of a hit and run kind of guy. So after he stuck you with his stick, he was gone and you can't catch him. 
And he, you know, well, there's a reason he's called the rat. I mean, that, that's his name is, is the rat. And he played like a rat and um, everybody called him a rat and he loved it. And he had a smile on his face. And so, he, you know, he knew what I love those kind of role players. But again, I say it that I don't know how many penalties we've probably taken on guys like that. And when he was in Boston, that's what he was, is he was that guy that would spear you in the balls. He would get you behind the leg. Um, and then as soon as you turn around to grab him, that blade would be right under your chin. He would have it. There were no, I mean, very rarely did you ever have any spearing. You literally had to put somebody in the hospital or, you know, to, to get any kind of calls back then. But he would literally have his stick in your face. You know, and he wasn't a big guy. I mean, Kenny, now he's a big surfer. I mean, he's always been a big surfer. So he's probably spearing people with a surfboard somewhere in California. I guarantee <laughs> Did you. Were you wearing a cup? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, I don't, there are baseball he, players that don't wear cups. I think it's crazy. Well, there's people in the radio business that don't wouldn't either, I guess. I wear my cup every day. Yeah. And what, a thimble? <laughs> Oh, man, it's going to be a long season. <laughs> that does it for currently named the Sweaters Forever podcast. Hopefully you like it. And uh, anything you want us to talk about, uh, feel free to uh, shoot us an email or a, a tweet. Craig, always a pleasure, and we'll catch up with you next week. Looking forward to it. Ciao.